Pentavali. Hi, Patrick Hines. Oh, hey, fam. Happy extra from the Patreon fun episode day. Yeah. <laughs> it's officially a national it's holiday. It's officially. Thank you. <laughs> fam, we haven't done this in a really long time, but we wanted to share with you episode one of uh, season one of a series called Wild Crime. We covered this on Patreon. This is a crazy, fascinating case about the murder or death of a woman named Tony Henthorne. Yes. So tell them the, the dish. Well, her husband is not great. No, um, Harold. Harold. And there are all these like park rangers because the whole thing about wild crime, it's stories and horrible things that take place in our nation's national parks. So Tony and Harold go on a hike mm-hmm. and Tony either fell off a cliff or was pushed. Yeah. And that's what these four episodes are kind of about is these incredible park rangers and park officials investigating the crime and like getting to the bottom of it. It's very staircasey in that there's another wife who is dead who like was she murdered or was that an accident too? We don't know. Yeah, we make it very clear what we think. Yeah. I will say that. But we did both seasons. Yes. There are two seasons out and both seasons all of those episodes are on the Patreon right now. Totally. If you're looking for like a really suspenseful series centered around Diddy or didn't he do it, check it out. We're giving you episode one of season one right now, right here. Head to the Patreon where you can get over 350 other full ad-free bonus episodes right now. Um, All four episodes of season one are there. And as Jillian said, season two is all there as well. Yep. Also four episodes. Just a cool eight episodes. I know. It's such a good series. Weirdly, it takes place in the out of doors and yet I still liked it. Because it's gorgeous out there. It's gorgeous and scary and we need to respect it. All right, fam, patreon.com slash true crime obsessed, or go to our website, click on the Patreon link. Enjoy episode one of season one of Wild Crime. It's called She Had a Bad Fall. Oh, no. Hi, my mama, Tedros Emergency. My name is Harold Hintworth. I'm in the Rocky Mountain National Park. My wife had fallen. She's in really critical condition. I need a rescue team immediately. I was told to go to Deer Ridge Trailhead that time i thought it was just a tragic accident a lot of things here don't add up on the outside looking in tony and harold's marriage looks like the perfect life every year on their anniversary harold would plan a trip the phone's rang in and it's my brother my brother said tony's been in an accident she was gone now we have a investigation we have to conduct there were small things that didn't totally add up He said he was doing CPR the whole time. Her lipstick was not smudged. There was something more to this story. Most people didn't know that Harold was married before. This is two wives for Harold that have died now. And that was very suspicious. We, like, immediately open it, like, the scene of the crime. So we're in the Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado, to which I said, you know what? It doesn't look that nice. There's a lot of national parks that look real pretty, not this one. I was going to say, well, this was the site of a murder, but they, <laughs> they all are sites of murders. That's the thing about the national parks, unfortunately. So we learn about Harold and Tony. Yeah. And every year on their anniversary, Harold would plan a trip. Tony didn't know or have any input on the trip, but she knew that this was, like, part of the surprise. What's your opinion on that? I hate it. I <laughs> I absolutely yeah, hate it. I think no. I think Harold is a very, very controlling piece of shit. I was we'll just going to say, that. it's not sweet. It's very controlling, it and feels like And it feels like, like I'd be very stressed out. So if you want to do that, then like, how about every year you plan something together? Uh-huh. Instead of just like surprising, like I never know when the surprise is coming, uh-huh. but I know that it's coming and I don't know where he's dragging me to this year. And it's like the Ani the Honeymoon murders of it all. Like she didn't know they were going to South Africa. I know, it's very strange. Yeah. But anyway, it's their 12th anniversary. And so we learned about Tony. Tony yeah. is Harold's wife. Tony Burley from Mississippi. She was an eye doctor, ophthalmologist, and very successful, and a great mom. 
She's like a very successful eye doctor and a great mom. The thing I love about Tony, we'll learn about her later. She wanted to be a doctor, but she decided she wanted to be an eye doctor because she knew like she would have like downtime. There's very rare, I would imagine, like eye emergencies. As somebody who's literally had eye emergencies, oh they're not that frequent. I live in fear of an eye emergency. Remember there was a time when I was getting shots directly in my eyeballs? Yeah. Shots, you guys, needles I in my eye. I sleep over it. I, don't, I think that's insane. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think that's horrifying. But I didn't go blind. Okay, great. Yeah. Tony supports that. Um, yeah. So, like, the thing about this, like, yearly surprise, is, or at least the year that this one happened, Harold would, like, call her employees and get them in on the scheme. And, like, call her parents and say, can you watch Haley this weekend? I feel like if it were you, you would say to your staff, like, when he calls, don't do that. When yeah. he calls, at least just tell me it's happening. Right. But Harold is one of those guys, like, uh-huh. you kind of can't. You know, it is one of those things. I want to say to people, when you have a friend or a sibling or a, a child who has a spouse that everyone is like, he's fine, but he's a little mm. weird. Start having that conversation. Yeah. Don't keep it to yourself. Find out what other people think. If everyone thinks the dude's weird, you should all be on that same page. And like, if you're a person who loves surprises, uh-huh. we just know- We're back know, to this? Okay. Yeah, but we just know that Tony's not really into it. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. for us to sort of put out calls to action to yeah, everyone totally. is based on the fact that Tony was like- Oh, hi. Because we see it. That's the that's why. You guys, there's an actual video of the surprise. Which I will get into it, but it's basically like Couch Guy from TikTok. We'll get into it. I'll explain it all to you. It was viral for two seconds. I don't know what Couch Guy is. So it's Saturday, September 29th, 2012. It's yeah. 5.55 p.m. Harold calls 911. We hear the call. Hi, hey, mom. What's your address? The emergency. Hello, my name is Harold Hedorch. I'm in the Rocky Mountain National Park. Okay. And my wife had fallen from a rock and on the north summit of Deer Mountain when she's in really critical condition. He's just saying that his wife has had a fall. She's fallen 30 or 40 feet. He says she's in very critical condition. Yeah. And so, Mark, we meet two Marks here. Mark oh, number so one. that's so confusing, I guys. I mean, they can't help it, but I we'll know. do our best. So, Mark number one, Mark Flaherty, he's a ranger in the National Park Service. Yeah. And his job is to be the first to locate the patient, right? So, they, yeah. they also, the way this documentary is made, all of these people who signed up for jobs that, like, they knew they weren't going to be on camera, uh-huh. they're now forced to be on camera. Totally. So, Mark... <laughs> Like, he's like, I'm a ranger at the National Park Service. I did not sign up for, like, take one. So, because they have Mark reenacting, putting his backpack on and Uh heading out the door. And because then we meet Mark Pita, who's Mark number two, another ranger. When that call came in, I took the role of incident commander. Trying to get a ranger here is going to take you at least an hour. Is there any way that you could bring a helicopter in? And he goes, I played the role of incident commander. And I just thought, like, I just see the slip in the playbill. Uh Tonight, the role of incident commander will be played by Mark Pita. This is Mark's National Park Service debut. Earlier credits include national parks, historic parks, and, of course, a quick stint at Action Park. Good work, GP. That's comedy gold right there coming out of your mouth hole. So we learned that like where Harold and Tony are, where she's just fallen, it's an elevation of 10,000 feet. That sounds insane, but Denver's really high. So like the whole thing starts (laughs) at like (laughs) 8,000. Denver starts at like 8,000 feet or whatever. So it was like a 2,000 foot hike that they took or whatever. Right. So Mark number one gets there at 615, which is fast. He got there in 20 minutes. It wasn't an easy place to get to. You'll see two large outcrops about 9,800 feet. We are between the two about 200 feet off the, uh, the, the crest of the hill. I'd never been in that area. I couldn't see because it was dark. And they make the 
point that like, and this is so fucking calculated. It's at dusk. So it's too late to bring in a helicopter that would have been really fast. Yes. And they make the point that like, it was too late to fly a helicopter. That's why this piece of shit chose that time for this to happen. Exactly. So this was not an easy place to get to. Yeah. And even the park rangers are like, what is going on? Like, where am I going here? Can I tell you that one of these range, the one, the first mark that gets there first says, and I quote, he uses the moon to vector in on their location. What does any of that mean? And I was like, she lights the way for Mark. <laughs> the moon that? lights the way. I don't know. Because nature is fucking kind of amazing. You're such a witch. I, know, I love it. I, I love when your witch comes out. Well, the moon is, she's she. She's, I know. I'm saying, I like it when you channel the nature. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. And he like used the moon. I think that's cool. To anyway, vector in on their location. I love it. But so. <laughs> I wrote, the, I would not be good at this job. And I'm like, there's Bigfoot everywhere. Bigfoot Bigfoot's everywhere. just trying to sleep. Leave her alone. And also, Bigfoot, when something bad is happening, could you step up? Could you, you know help what? Us that's a actually bit? very true. Because I don't want to call. Saw, she saw this she whole did. thing. Yeah, I don't want to call Bigfoot lazy, but she was not getting involved in this. Bigfoot? Yeah, I know. You could do the nice thing and then say, like, and no one ever saw me. And, and you know what? Away. In this instance, eat the husband. We're all fine with that. Totally. Save the lady, eat the husband. Right. And she won't say a word because you saved her life. Yeah. Bigfoot, you know what? <laughs> so just remember also that Harold has been telling 911 while he's waiting for everyone to come that yeah. he has been doing CPR on his wife nonstop. Yes. Remember that. Yes. That's a big thing. I wanted to also say that, like, this is so the outdoors because the ranger, who, like, doesn't exactly know where they are, has a whistle. Yeah. And Harold, the husband, also has a whistle. And they're whistling back and forth at each other trying to find each other. I know. That's weird. That's like some 1800s shit. I know. It's you know really, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, my God. So Mark gets there, assesses Tony and yeah. the situation. She was laying on her back and her head was wrapped. It was obvious she had a head wound. Her eyes were partially open and evaluated her for a pulse and respirations. I told Harold, I'm sorry, but she's gone. And Harold said, I think so too. And he seemed emotional to me. Mark says to Harold, the husband, he goes, I'm sorry, but she's gone. And Harold says, yeah, I think so too. But Mark makes the point, like, he seemed, like, appropriately emotional. Right. And he's like, yeah, looking back on it, right. there was, like, a <laughs> tear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Mark and Harold head home, and the rangers and the medics will stay with Tony's body till morning when they can remove her. That's how just far like, into the woods they were. That is such an amazing and selfless thing to do. Yeah. And it really, truly, no jokes here, like, that is so outside of my experience. Mm -hmm. Like, when there's, like, a person dies in the woods, it's not safe to carry the body out, so you, like... These rangers are, like, providing such an essential service. Yes. Just in general, like, being out there keeping people safe in the woods. And keeping themselves safe yes. overnight. I know. And sleeping next to a body because you I can't know. safely bring it out in the middle of the night. Like, I wholeheartedly applaud everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So Mark assumes that it's a tragic accident, which 99% of the time it is, he Literally, says. he says. Like, that's the actual number. However, yeah. they still have to do what he calls a fatality investigation. And that's yeah. where Mark number two comes in making his Broadway debut. Right. And so we also meet Paul. Paul Larson and his man bun. He... Wait a second! <laughs> I said the same thing. I said what's cool about Paul is that he has long hair. He really does. But unfortunately, they have it in a low bun. I, I want to see that hair, Paul. God, that River Phoenix hair. I know. If you're a person whose situation that is and you're listening to this, take a minute and realize how blessed you are. You're screaming at them. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've just always wanted that hair. I know, girl. It's been a long tour of me showing pictures of myself in eighth grade with my eighth grade hair. ways to wear wigs. I know. It never lands, but God damn it, you're doing it anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh. So Paul Larson is another ranger. He's the lead field investigator. But again, they have Paul like standing in front of a cabin, putting his ranger hat on. I like know. Paul did not sign up to be on camera. I know. But so anyway, Paul and his hair walk us through the scene. <laughs> There's a tree that on one side, the branches had been kind of knocked off or broken off. I called the impact tree. But you could see that, that was in a place where I imagine Tony probably impacted as she fell to the ground. There were small things that didn't totally add up. Yeah, and he's like looking up from where Tony fell and he sees a tree where the branches have been like ripped off. He calls it the impact tree. The impact tree. Oh, God. And he thinks that this is where Tony fell, right? Yes. So he's saying like, there are small things that are not adding up, aka what we like to call red flags. Correct. So number one, they're in, and we'll get more into this later, they're in a very obscure area. Paul doesn't tell us this. We get this later from Beth, but they're like way off the trail. So like she fell from a cliff that is like way, off the hiking trail. And it's also like not where your average hiker would be. Exactly. You know? And there's also, he says, he found an untied boot. Yeah. And he says, usually during a fall, shoes tend to not <laughs> untie themselves. Paul! Paul, that long hair starting to show. I know. I love it. Keep it up. <laughs> and also, her backpack and camera were both very close to her body and landed right next to her after a 40-foot fall and she was actually holding them. And what's so interesting about that, too, is that like, you would think that like where they were up above, they were like resting, right? They were like, why would she have her backpack on right. and be holding her camera? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it looks all very, I don't know, perfectly placed. Exactly. Weird. Exactly. But Paul's like, the camera is very important. Yes. Stay tuned. But what is also important is the map they find in Harold's car. It was a parked map and it had curious drawings on it. Deer Ridge Trail was highlighted. Below Deer Ridge Trail was written the word hike with an X circled. And then above the Deer Ridge highlighted trail was a highlighted X. And that was really curious because it was right about the location where Tony had died. So I seized it as evidence. So they're inventorying the car and they find this map. And on this map, there's an X. With a circle around it. And the like, X, an is, X marks the spot. Right. And all the rangers in unison say, like, that's where the body was found. Yeah. And Paul goes, that was real curious. It's also just like, I love that these idiots are so bad at this. If you're yeah. going to go kill your wife and you pre-planned it and you marked, literally X marks yeah. the spot, throw that map away. Burn the map before they what get there. What is wrong with you? Like, you did it. Ugh. I know. You know what? Great. <laughs> I, know. I know. Great. <laughs> Hands so, in the air. You guys made her mad. Great. Stay be being bad at this. Yes. I also love that Paul says he found the map curious so I seized it. So I seized it. That's seized my Paul, the day, Paul. And your long hair. Seized <laughs> the day. So this case also involves ISB which is the investigative services branch yeah. and they investigate complicated felony crimes aren't they all? But they also only do this in national parks and we meet this one lady who's like we spend our day like climbing mountains oh, and Christy? traversing rivers. Most people in our line of work don't do that. We get it. You have a hard job. Yeah but here's the thing though these crimes become federal offenses because they're on federal land. I bet this fucking idiot didn't realize that when he picked this spot to kill his wife. You know what I mean? And also, we have to get better. We have to get cameras all over the parks. I'm sorry. Floodlights, cameras. Because the nature is great. We got to preserve the nature. You know, pull the trees out. Let's just make everything floodlight zones. (laughs) Get rid of the trees. Let's get rid of those 6,000-year-old trees. (laughs) No, we got to keep the nature. But for everyone's safety, we can't just have, like, easy places to get away with murder. Exactly. There's too many of them. I mean, I don't know a lot about much, but I feel like we all know, like, statistically, if you want to, A, disappear yourself, 
yourself, go on a hike and never come back. Right. People will assume you got eaten by a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. And number two, if you want to kill somebody, go on a hike and have them fall off a cliff. Because right. like Or just let people assume they were eaten by a mountain lion. Right. Exactly. And you're right. Also, like, leave the mountain lions out of this. Let them gotta eat. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're in their living room. <laughs> You it's walked what, into their den. I know. Literally their den. It's what I was saying during Grizzly Man where like that bear murdered him. He Bears did not. cannot commit murder. They can only have dinner. They're just hungry. They're eating. As am I. Exactly. I know me too. But the thing about this is that there are 85 million acres to cover in the national parks and only 34, 34 agents. agents. That's bananas. That I know. is that That's too many acres, too and few it's not agents. Sustainable. I know. Like it can't continue. Yeah. So <laughs> Chilean's law. Chilean's Coming law. back for season three. Not sustainable. <laughs> Actually, Beth's law, because Beth Shot is here oh and my she's God. a special agent. We're the detectives of the National Park Service because ISB agents are so far and few between. I was an office of one agent. So Ranger Faraday called me when he had some suspicion about Tony's death. He presented his information that he had, and I said, I think we've got a case. She's like, yeah, we're the uh, detectives of the National Park Service. She's awesome. She loves her job. And she was an office of one agent. Yes. Explain that to me. Like, she was just doing it all herself. I know. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. How many times and how many ways do I have to say this is not safe? And also, if you want me to go visit our nation's national parks, make them safe for me to go visit. I know. (laughs) Preserve the Bigfoot. Yeah. Get rid of the murderers. Like, make sure we, like, protect the land. Yes. It's beautiful and gorgeous. We need it. Please make it safe. I know. I couldn't agree more. Beth is doing her best on that front. Right. She's trying. So yeah. October 1st, 2012, two days after Tony's death, Mark number one, I'm sorry to call you Mark number one and I two, know. but I met you first, yeah. Mark Flaherty. Yeah. So Mark goes to interview Harold about what happened. So we're told that like this is like right after the wife dies, right? Two days. Two days. So he goes to visit the grieving husband who they're all a little suspicious of. They think this guy might be a fucking murderer. He goes by himself. And then when Harold is like, let's go down to my basement office for this interview, he goes, Mark's like, okay. safe! Mark has probably run into a couple of mountain lions. I feel like he's like, I can take Harold. But I'm like not going into a murderer's basement, even if I think I could beat him up. You know what I mean? Same. Not doing it. Agreed. Yeah. So Mark shows Harold the images that were on the memory card on the camera. Right. Right. I have so many questions for Harold in this moment. Did you know the camera was there? Did you know the memory card? Did you know they were going to be able to pull the images? Like, holy shit. I think Harold is a fucking boomer. Yeah. And he thought that if he just smashed the camera, Uh then it's like a film camera where that works. No, 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 no. no. Nope. Our memory cards are smarter than you, Harold. It's true. And they save everything and nothing is ever deleted. So Harold thought he outsmarted them. Keep being dumb, Harold. It's true. Loving it. Harold told me that when the fall happened, she was walking rapidly toward the edge of the cliff. He said he didn't witness it. He was preoccupied with his phone and receiving a text that said Haley had won a soccer game. So Harold says, you know what? I didn't see my wife fall, but I was actually too busy texting on my phone about my daughter's soccer game, so I don't know what happened. And but you know she was running towards yeah. the end of a cliff at a rapid pace. But the thing is, his story is already full of holes because he's referring to this text that with like the quote nanny about his daughter's soccer game. This text came in at 5.54 p.m., which like it takes Beth five seconds to figure out that's the exact time he was also calling 911. Yeah, 911 at 5.55. Yes, and so like his story is his wife fell, it took him 45 minutes to hike down to her, and then he called 911. So the timeline does not add up. No, no. But then, so that's all Mark's like, all right, yeah. okay. Then Mark just slides the map across the table with the X marks the spot thing. I mean. Harold is like, okay, meeting's over. That's it. <laughs> Harold is furious. He doesn't have an answer. He yeah. kicks Mark out of the house. He stopped answering Mark's calls. Mark's like, and I never heard from him again, but clearly there's more to the story. I'm like, did the other F 
authorities get like what? Right. And because Boomer Mark didn't really destroy the memory card, now right. they still have that. Harold, you cannot answer the phone all you want. They still yeah. have this memory card, which is invaluable. Yeah, and so they're all saying, I love that Beth is like, literally, this made our spidey senses go off. <laughs> Beth. <laughs> Within days of getting involved in this case, I talked to Tony's family, the Bertolets, and they gave me insight into Tony. We discussed how they learned about Tony's death and what they heard that night. We learned sort of how the family found out about the death. Mm -hmm. And we'll get more into this later, but essentially, like, from the murder scene, Harold calls one of the brothers, that brother calls the other brother, who calls the parents, and it quickly goes from, like, she's not in good shape to, like, she's dead. Harold was very busy in the moments after his wife died, and we'll get into that bullshit timeline in a minute. Yeah. But Caleb is here. He wrote a book called The Accidents. Caleb is also very cute. He's an investigative reporter. I love him. Cute Caleb. Yeah. Tony Henthorn came from a lot of money. Her family's done very well in the oil and gas business. Her family wasn't old money, but they very quickly became part of the money crowd. Uh, But to their credit, kind of never lost the work ethic and the ability to see the other side. And he's the one who's telling us, like, look, Tony comes from money. But they were also, like, good at, like, having money, but, like, being, like, of the people. (laughs) I always love when we hear that in these documentaries. Yeah, so her brother, Todd, says his dad was a geologist and made some really great discoveries. And I'm like, yeah, like, coal? I know. If you're, like, oil mining? I know. Okay. I know. He was, like, a fucking geologist who worked for, like, one of the big oil companies. Right. And the point was, like, because they weren't old money, like, they never lost their work ethic. They worked really, really hard to be successful. And Tony was awesome. She was a musician. She was a great student. She was an athlete. And she married a dentist for her first marriage. Yeah. They met in med school. The marriage didn't last. And Tony was devastated. And because of her religion, which we'll get back to, she saw divorce as something shameful. And, you know, we'll get into the religion of it all. Like, you know, I hate that stuff. But, like, not that I hate religion. I just, like, hate it when religion makes you feel bad about yourself. And when it, like, defines you when it shouldn't. It's supposed to do the opposite. And I hate it when it doesn't. Agreed. But, like, you know, after the divorce, she throws herself into work. And she's making money. And, you know, she starts her own practice. And she opens up two practices. Two she's practices. killing it. She's killing it. She's very active in her church. She sings in the choir, but she also like runs like a Sunday school for grown-ups. Yeah. Which I think is kind of cool. study, I guess. Yeah. She sings soprano in the choir. I know. It's that's real, That's the high part. I know. We meet Allison, her best friend. Yeah. And she tells us that like Tony really wanted to get married and have a family. And Caleb comes, your boyfriend yeah, Caleb. Yeah, so some, cute. No, not oh, when he says this. Okay, I take Because it he goes, you know, the divorce really set her back and her clock is ticking. Uh, Caleb? Caleb. Don't talk about Tony's Caleb. clock. I t- <laughs> Get your hands off Tony's yeah. clock, You know please. what? None of your fucking business, None Caleb. Business, I take it back. Caleb, her clock was ticking. But we learn, best friend Allison tells us. I was pretty shocked one day when Tony and I were having a conversation. And she just outright said, I met a guy online. This guy named Harold. When he was wooing her online, some of the things that they talked about was that they both wanted children. It's a Christian dating site, so they were both Christian. He said all the right things to her, I believe. Harold tells Tony everything she wants to hear because Tony's great and an open book, and she's just being honest. And she is kind of saying in her own way, Caleb, like, I really want to get married. I really want to have a family. I really want to have a family. And they do that thing, like, very quickly where he's just like, I want kids. You want kids. You believe in long-term marriages, and we're both Christians. Let's do this now. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So Harold tells her that he's an independent fundraiser for nonprofits, specifically churches and hospitals, quote, which have a religious bearing. And Caleb tells us, like, he was the first person to tell you he made a ton of money doing this. And I was like, wait a second. That's not a thing. If you're, like, a private fundraiser raising money for not 
not for profits, you're not loaded. Like it's not for profit. There's a lot of red flags. Yeah. People should have been asking more questions. But also, they have a religious bearing. I'm like, but they also do the science, right? Like, I know. They do the science and they treat everyone I... who comes into the hospital, <laughs> right? Right? They have the science. And the thing is, like, we meet Tony's sister-in-law, Rhonda. Mm-hmm. She is married to Tony's brother. Yes. And, like, they were really close. My first impression of Harold was he seemed very excited and always very kind of exuberant in his uh, mannerisms. Talked very loud, talked very fast. Always felt like he was trying to impress me. This is where we get everyone was privately thinking that Harold was kind of shady. Yeah. And everyone's like, he's nice. He's fine. But secretly, they're like, he talks really loud. He only talks about himself. He's like a blowhard who yeah. wants us all to think he's really successful. And Todd, Tony's brother says, Harold is so great. You know how I know? Because Harold just me. kept telling me yeah. how fucking great he was all the time. Ugh, I, I know. Like and that. I'm like, I'm not to say that obviously it's not anybody's fault, but like he goes on to kill her. And right. like maybe if everybody was more honest about how they, th- you don't always have to make nice. I agree. You don't always have to make drama that's a lesson i could learn yeah. says my therapist well yeah i don't always make nice but then like people are annoyed it's like if i don't yeah. want, i'm so sorry like i know but also no one ever thinks that their loved one is gonna get killed you know True. like it's such a bizarre thing to get to yes so like everyone is thinking like all right he's a blowhard and he's annoying but like tony's really happy and it's really what she wanted so they just sort of like but i don't know there are this. other red flags what was concerning is how quickly everything kind of progressed they got engaged in February and got married in September. They didn't see each other but six or seven times during that whole period. They got engaged in February, got married in September, and they only saw each other six or seven times that, in that time. And they don't explain why? Well, the only thing I can think about is that they're very religious, and Tony definitely wants to have kids. She's in her early 40s, and maybe it was like saving sex for marriage. I don't know if that was... So you can't even see each other? Well, they didn't live near each other is like what I was getting, because yeah. they met on the internet or whatever. But like, Tony wants to get married really quickly because she wants to have a kid. Of course. Like, that's the most important thing to her. But like, I don't know, spend more... Maybe they're Skyping or whatever no, you do you back like then. It. Yeah, I know, but like you're adults. I know. Just, uh, uh, I know. Really? I know. <laughs> I know. But they have this gigantic wedding. BFF Allison says it was a class act. I know. <laughs> whatever that means. So Harold and Tony, two years after they get married, are leaving Mississippi. It's so pretty, isn't it? Apparently, he always wanted to go to Colorado. He always wanted to bring Tony there and away from her family and her friends and her practice and her church. And the thing about this that really sucks is that Tony loses her practices, which she yeah. loved and worked so hard for. She gives up the Bible study and the counseling in the church, which she also loved. She gives up her friends and family, which she also loved. Harold's isolating her. Right. And somebody says that now. And it's like hindsight is twenty twenty, but like Harold always wanted to move her to Colorado is how they say it. Not Harold always wanted to move to Colorado. Yeah. They say Harold wanted to move her to Colorado to get her right. away from all of these things. Right. But then like Tony gives birth to Haley when she's in her mid 40s. And this is a dream come true for her. Yeah. It's every Everything she ever wanted and from the outside it looks like a perfect life and can we just like slow down on this for a second because yeah. like this is so hard for me because like this little girl loses her mother and her father yep. in the same moment yeah you know what i mean yes. these fucking men like the vanishing in connecticut or yeah, whatever exactly you know we what i mean did this like five kids who lose their mother because the husband killed her and then they automatically lose him too it's just awful it's awful 
Nobody thinks. Nobody thinks. Selfish. <laughs> so we're back to the day of the murder. And this is, oh my God, you guys. This is where we go back to how Harold had arranged with the staff to give her the afternoon and like the next couple of days off. Yeah. So like they do it behind her back and the staff thinks they're doing a nice thing. And we meet Christy with her dog. And her dog doesn't get a lower third, but whatever, it's fine. They look like a hound mix of some sort. It's fine. I love them. And Christy, I guess, and I'm not saying this as a dig at all, but yeah. I think Christy is new here like totally. to work because she thinks it's really amazing. Yes. that Harold wants to do this and she's like oh I get to be in on the surprise and so they hid him in a room like he was a patient yes they like fill her calendar with like a dummy schedule for the day and they walk her in and they film it and you hear her go what are you doing here I know, I know. she hates this she hates it I think she would probably like I don't want that surprise when you see the video today you don't see that happy person that's like excited to go Remember Couch Guy, everyone, on TikTok? Fill me in. This was viral for two days. So what happened is there was some trend where you would have some sappy song and then show, like, someone coming home from being deployed or uh-huh. some, like, some big, like, reunion, right? And this girlfriend goes to surprise her boyfriend at college and no one's happy to see her, especially her boyfriend. <laughs> no. And he, like, doesn't get up from the couch, so he's oh known as Couch Guy. But then there was all this speculation for days, oh for, like, God. three days about, like, he was surrounded by girls on the couch and it's like, was the girl, like, everyone was zooming in like we were detectives I wasn't doing any of that but zooming in like is he passing the phone to her and all this stuff and everyone's like look at couch guy's face he's like what are you doing here it's the same thing who posted the video did the girlfriend post it the girlfriend did why and then she spent a week defending this guy It was like what everyone was talking about on TikTok for like two days, just like couch guy and just analyzing the look and the hand and then this. But all you need to know is the look on that guy's face. He was like, oh. I'm still stuck at that girl who hit the bedpost. Went, ah! Oh my God. She's so new. Couch Guy was like like light years back in TikTok time. Oh my God. But anyway, Tony is not happy to see Harold. She's kind of like bewildered. Yes. She's like, oh God. But I off know. they go anyway. Yeah, and this killed me. So he has a go bag for her, right? So like that means they're leaving straight from work to go to their vacation. Mm-hmm. And he knows he's going to. I'm going to cry. Yeah. He knows he's going to kill her. Yes. And she doesn't have an opportunity to say goodbye to her daughter. Yes. I thought about that too. He's a monster. Like, he doesn't even let her say goodbye to yeah. her kid. I know. And like... That she wanted... I can't... Whatever. All I can think about, like, is in the moment that she's like falling off that cliff and lying there dying, oh. all she's thinking about is her kid. Oh like, my God. I-, I can't not think yeah. about it. I know. I fucking hate this guy. Yeah. But he- the thing is, Tony has people working for her right now, yes. right? We have some photos from his cell phone and her camera that recreates their trip up there. And photographs that we recovered showed us exactly where they were. So Beth and Mark and the Rangers can recreate their trip through the photos that Boomer Harold yes. didn't realize he didn't destroy. So there are photos from Tony's phone and also from the memory card from the camera. But the photos are like an actual yes. photographic map. I mean, like we see, yes. like Beth is on the trail right now. She's like, see this tree? And then there's a yeah. picture of Tony in front of the tree. I was just going to say, this is what the documentary does so well. Beth walks us through their trip because they were able to recreate it from the photos. It's amazing. And like, honestly, that's the only thing that gives me like a little bit of hope here 
that like Tony has good people working for yeah, her now yeah. to really get to the bottom of this. Because like we see that the last photos that were taken on her phone is Harold standing over this ledge that he's about to push his wife off of. Right. And he's holding for dear life onto this tree, like clinging to this tree. And, that like, is still looking there. Over. We That's see it like with yeah. Beth right now. Yes. And like Tony is taking pictures of him. Like, look at my husband. It's like, look at this beautiful view behind him or whatever. And then there were two deleted photos that we were able to recover that were pictures of him standing up there. Why are there so many of them? And why are they 15 minutes apart? So Harold's story is, I whisked her away to this romantic weekend getaway at the Stanley Hotel, which looks like a massive mansion. Yeah, it looks very cute. It's like this like Colorado like lodge mansion-y kind totally. of Totally. They spend the night there. The next day they have breakfast, they pick up some lunch, and they head out for a hike, and now Beth takes over. Yeah, so we also get Beth's backstory here for just a second, which I was like, oh, that's fun to know. She was an East Coast hippie who always <laughs> wanted to be an artist. I know! And she's like, I just want a job where I can work outside, so I got a job like in the parks department. She's awesome. And here I am 30 years later. Yeah, but basically, like, Beth knows her shit. I wrote, congrats, Beth, you did it. East Coast hippie (laughs) turned park ranger. I love it. Most of the Rocky Mountain National Park is wilderness. And so these remote locations can be incredibly difficult to get to. You have to have a certain level of fitness. So Beth explains, because she knows what she's talking about. This is not an easy hike at all. She says, you have to have a certain level of fitness. It's not a hike that you do if you're a non-hiker or to, like, celebrate an event. No. And also, we are told that they started this hike late in the day. Yes. They start the hike at 2 in the afternoon. And Beth is like, it's not a super long hike, but it's, like, not really safe to start a hike that late. It's like a three-mile hike. When sunset is at 6. Exactly. Like, it's just a bad idea. Like, obviously, he's doing this on purpose. Of course. So that it'll be dark when he kills his wife. Of course. Yeah. So Harold's story is that they hiked until the trail plateaued then they went off the trail for some privacy and beth goes if you look around and then she does the whole place gives you privacy (laughs) (laughs) there's no way you'd know about the scenic view spot unless you scouted it so the thing is like they do this cool thing where they pull out and they show a map so they show the actual trail and then they show like where they're going off trail to go down they are like hiking down the mountain off the trail just before dark i know to like go see this like scenic view the Harold is pretending like maybe, like he doesn't know that it's there. Beth's whole point is that he scouted this. Of course. He did this before to know exactly where to take her. I asked him, well, why did you go down to that spot where Tony fell? And he said, well, Tony had seen turkeys going down to investigate. I was like, turkeys? Really? Wasn't even aware turkeys would be in that kind of environment. When I questioned that, he said, well, I don't know about turkeys, but definitely deer. And then it was, we went down there for a romantic time. And then Harold's like, oh, you want to know why? Because we want to see the turkeys. Right. And Mark's like, I'm sorry, the what? Turks? You want to see the what? There aren't any turkeys here. And Harold's like, I'm sorry, I meant the deer. Not the turkeys, Silly the deer. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. The deer, Harold, sweetheart. But then he also says we wanted romantic time. Also, everyone does something here that makes me crazy. No yeah. one calls it sex. No, I know. We're talking about, honestly, we're talking about a woman's life, an abusive yeah. murder, and an abusive husband. But let's draw the line at saying they wanted to have sex, whether it's a, a lie or not. And Everyone's like, like an intimate moment, private time. Right, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, just say it. Also, like, I'm sorry, but these old 
Both people are not fucking in the woods. Like no, that's just in not the a thing that's happening. No, like, absolutely come not. On. As the sun is going down and they're off the trail. If this really was an innocent thing and you're going off trail no. just as the sun is going down, you would have died out there anyway. Yes, but just call it what it is. Yeah. It makes me crazy. And so they're saying that like from this romantic spot, he still is like, let's go farther. It's a 60 degree hike down this boulder field to the cliff where like he pushes her off. And remember, Beth's like, you really have to know what you're doing as a hiker here. And then but that's this is when- the best line. Beth has the best line here. There's no reason for anybody to go down there unless you want to push someone from a cliff. She goes, there's literally no reason for anyone to go down there unless you wanted to push someone off the cliff. Uh, I mean, (laughs) obviously, but we also learn that Tony has an old knee injury. She wouldn't want to hike across the parking lot, let alone down the, like, Harold. And this is where I start to wonder, at what point did he make her do it? You know what I mean? Like, did he have a gun? Like, did he? No. Let me tell you, it's their 12th anniversary. Uh Uh-huh. She's been, yeah, okay. Uh Yeah, she's been putting on a happy face and doing everything he wanted to do since she moved from Mississippi to Colorado. The Kathleen Peterson of it all. She, there was no force that she knew uh-huh. that she had to put on. You know, he's doing this nice thing for you. Yeah. It's your anniversary. Oh, you got to go do it. That's exactly what happened. So the theory, because all those pictures on the ledge of Harold where like it's the same pose. And they can tell that it was taken over 15 minutes. And they're like, why? Why would they be taking pictures for 15 minutes? And this broke my heart. The theory, and I this word makes me I like, know. The theory is that he was trying to lure her over there saying, look, it's no big deal. Let me take a picture of you. Yep. Yep. And I got to tell you, as somebody who is like desperately afraid of heights, like I can only imagine the fear she was feeling. And like you're saying, she probably just eventually said yes because she knew she had to. Yeah. But the idea of these pictures are him trying to lure her. I know. That word. Like, I know. I know. But it's also the exact right word. Exactly. Yeah. But then also now we meet the coroner and like we get another bond dropped on us. She kind of tumbled down the rock face. And you see injuries to the extremities and to the head because it's tumbling. She had abrasions of her forehead and she had a, a large laceration or tearing injury to the top of her head to the scalp. So it's almost a scalping type injury on the top of her head. I gotta tell you, these corners, like, every time we meet a corner, except for in Grizzly Man, where the guy was really creepy, these guys really give a fuck. Like, they really take their job as, like, figuring out how this person died very seriously. And it's traumatized. This guy, he's, like, barely can look at the camera because he has, like, information about how this woman was killed, and that's his job. It's a science, you know what I mean? Yes, and they're wired in a way, and, like, thank God they are. Thank God. They're not like us, Yeah, and that's a good thing. Like, a lot of people get a lot of flack for, like, being emotionless but it's like we need people to tell these stories and to figure this out and if they're like not screaming queens like the two of us god bless them (laughs) like we need them yeah and this guy you could tell he's been really emotionally affected by this yeah so it's horrible there was multiple blunt force injuries he basically says that she like tumbled down the rocks it wasn't a clean fall it wasn't like she jumped out away from the rocks and then hit the ground she literally like tumbled down this rock and Beth says that it's clear that Harold also moved her body yes he dragged her yes and so another thing to talk about there's a ton of blood here yeah a ton of it and we're back to the 911 call because harold the husband yeah says it was a concussion he doesn't mention blood at all and there was right. a lot of blood here and 
Beth and me and everyone's asking, why wouldn't he mention that? Right. Like, she has very serious injuries immediately. Like She's bleeding out. She's bleeding out. And yeah. like It's <sighs> proof that he wanted her to die. Like, that's what right. we're getting at. And in case you need more red flags, here we go. Over here, and you can almost see some remains of he built a fire. He said it was a signal fire, but that's not really going to signal to anybody. There's a lot of things here that don't add up. He said he was doing CPR the whole time. If he had been doing mouth to mouth, that lipstick would have been smeared more around her face. So remember, he's saying that he was giving her mouth to mouth the entire time. He's doing CPR. But we learn that that's not true because he built a fire. But also they say it was like two matches. It wasn't a real signal fire. He wasn't trying to help because they were whistling to try to get to each other. Exactly. And then also the coroner is saying and everyone is saying like he said he was giving her mouth to mouth. The lipstick would have been smeared all over her face. It wasn't. It was totally intact. And now we move on to the cell phone records because remember the big part of his story is that the text message from the nanny about the soccer game came like a minute or the same time he made the 911 call yeah because out of the corner of his eye he realized tony was gone and she didn't make a sound when she was falling off this cliff right give me a fucking break yeah but the 911 call harold keeps hanging up on the dispatcher to save battery right but that's not what's happening because he starts making other phone calls to tony's family right and text messages and text messages and also i learned this like not too long ago or maybe a long time ago i don't know time doesn't matter (laughs) but the more you turn on and off your phone it actually drains the battery so just like don't touch it yeah 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 and then you save battery more We learn that one of the people he's texting is Tony's brother, who's a surgeon. Mm -hmm. And they're texting back and forth throughout the incident. And again, this guy's a doctor. Like, the fact that, like, Tony's bleeding out in front of him and he doesn't mention it to the doctor means he doesn't want them to know. And he's typing in a really weird way. It's like, Barry, dot, 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 urgent, dot, 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 Tony injured, fall from rock, critical, And it's like, wait, just say more. Use your words. Right. And so, like, again, it cuts back to the coroner who's like, he said he was doing CPR the whole time. He wasn't. He was building that fire. He was texting with Barry. He's calling 911. Like, she's just lying there dying. And apparently with his phone that's dying, he sent and received 98 texts, all while giving CPR nonstop, all while calling and hanging up on 911. I mean, give me a break. And then, like, we learn, like, about his behavior in the days after the incident. And I thought, wow. He just seemed kind of together for having gone through what he went through. No tears, no sign that he'd been crying, no, you know, struggling with his voice to get the words out. This is not a normal grieving husband. All of the friends are like, it was really fucking weird. Like, we get all these friends saying, like, Harold told us that Tony was dead. There was no emotion in his voice. Everyone knows something is wrong. Harold calls his friend Ron to ask to, like, officiate the memorial service, and Ron agrees. And Ron is like, you would have think this guy would be, like, imagine Mike is dead, and you have oh to plan God. a memorial. Imagine Steve is dead. No, I, I need plan- someone else to, like, take I would the- be doing it, yeah, of course. I mean, like, I mean, I couldn't. No, just the thought of it, you would be an absolute fucking wreck. Yeah. Fucking Harold gives Ron a fully executed memorial service. It's as though he wrote it before Tony even died. Well, yeah. So he did this in like, there's a video montage and all these curated photos. Yeah. 36 hours since he lost his wife. Like all the people are saying about this video montage is that like, if it was you and I was like, okay, I'm going to take care of everything, mm-hmm. but I, we want to make a video montage. I'm like, can you just like show me where the photo albums are? I'd say go to my Instagram. Like right. find what you could find. There are four pictures there, but I don't know what to tell you. And the whole thing is like, it would be a mishmash of pictures from all over the times and yeah. places. This is so perfectly curated to 
only show Tony's life since she married him. And it he's was, in every photo. He's in every photo. And like family members are left out. Friends are left out. Nothing before they met. It was all very like narcissistic and just like completely cure. And they're like, he put this together before she died. Right. And also like because he's such a piece of shit and it's yeah. all about him, he wanted to be in the memorial service. Totally. Normally you would think that if you're going to fake it, just have a bad like slideshow. Exactly. But he needed it to be about him. Tony's funeral is the ultimate chance for Harold to kind of control the narrative. And what Harold chooses to do with that moment is pretty telling. Everybody notices, the Bertolais especially, where everyone's sitting in the funeral. They're brought in, they're seated away from the rest of the family. Harold is one of the last people escorted in. He's trying to keep the family away from the friends because right. it seems to me like he doesn't want the friends being like, is this weird to you guys? Right. And the family being like, yeah, is this weird to you guys? And then he was the last person escorted in because he wants to be like the star of, of his wife's funeral. Also, one of the friends has a dog. We also don't get a lower third, <laughs> but I can tell they're a Shiba Inu and also I love them. Hashtag lower third the dog. Please. Hashtag lower third the dog. I don't ask for much. Also, like the family is very surprised to hear Harold saying that like Tony was adamant that she wanted to be cremated. <laughs> now, now, here, yes, okay. to be fair. <laughs> yes. Because they're like, wait, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. To be fair, I haven't had a discussion about that with anyone in my family. I have a conversation about it like every eight minutes. I also don't know what I want to happen well, to me. Well, tell so me maybe right that's now. Why. I don't know what the tell answer them, is. Tell them all. I have to decide right now. Yeah, my only thing about being cremated is that I fear that in death you can still feel things. Oh. I know. God. I know. I New mean, fear unlocked. <laughs> but, oh, but I guess it was a surprise because of her religion, right? That's yes. probably well, why. Well, who knows? It was but like, it, like, obviously he wants her cremated because that gets rid of any evidence of like anything ever being like exhumed in the future, you Should know? Should I make a decision about what I want to have Right me? now. <laughs> right. We're not leaving this booth until you tell me. Fuck, I don't know. Because I don't want it on the record. This podcast lives forever. That's true. That's true. I'll get back to you. Right. you know, when I know, you'll know. How about that? That sounds great. And I'll make sure you have photos. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but like everyone is saying he's not sad about the fact that his wife is dead that the mother of his child is dead he's only annoyed about the investigation and he says to somebody Tony had to go and get herself killed on federal lands I mean he also, says that to someone Harold I know shut your mouth shut your or mouth. actually keep talking yeah, just- <laughs> but like this whole I just want to go back to the whole like the way he's acting at the funeral on the yeah. slideshow yeah. it's not just like weird and insulting it's hurtful yes. like it is so hurtful to the family and friends that like can't mourn her in this way that they want to or have some like open conversation or like do this together he's like separating him and sort of Tony from everyone else by having it like the daughter wasn't in the slideshow pictures of her as a kid with her parents no someone says it was almost as if he wanted to believe and he did believe that Tony's life started once Harold came along 100% and the way this episode ends is that like Beth oh Beth (laughs) Beth 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 and then the park received a letter about his first wife. Harold's first wife tragically died in an accident, deemed an accident at that time in 1995. There were so many similarities between the death of these two women. The similarities are too eerie to ignore. We get like all of these people saying like, yeah, real bad vibes at the funeral. Yeah. Like this investigation's really weird. And Beth's like, and that's when we got the letters about his first wife. And I'm like, I know. you were born for this. <laughs> Fuck this guy. 
fam. Thank you so much for checking out episode one of season one of Wild Crime. All four episodes of this season and all four episodes of season two are both available on Patreon right now. Two different cases. This one is wild. Did Harold or did Harold not push Tony or did she have a fall? Yeah, I don't know. But it's also, if you want to watch it, it's on Hulu too, if you yes. want to like watch along with us. Exactly. Season two of this series, which we covered, which you'll find on the Patreon, yes. is all about the serial killer, Henry Lee Lucas. Mm-hmm. And did he or did he not kill this Jane Doe that was found in Yosemite National Park yeah. in the 80s? It's like a look at this like insane murder, but also this insane serial killer who confessed to like over 400 murders. Right, and he couldn't have done them all, but did right. he do this one? Yeah. this guy is the worst. But like we know that he did do some, yes. but not everything that he confessed to. So now we're just like trying to get to the bottom of what really happened here. It's very, again, very suspenseful. I did not know a lot about the Henry Lee Lucas serial killer situation. It is wild. Um, So check it all out, fam. Patreon.com slash True Crime Obsessed or go to our website, click on the Patreon link. I love how you just keep saying wild. It's wild. wild crime. <laughs> Very appropriately named. Very on brand. We love you, fam. We love you. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye.